Pastor Andy, I know we've sung that song before, but I don't know that I personally have sung that song in the way that I sung it in the second service. For some reason, the word, or, sorry, I say second service. I went to the first service and sung it. But for some reason in this service, the words, man, the words of that song are just amazing. I mean, they talk about just the redemption uh, that we have in Christ. And I, 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 know I, rem- I know I've sung that song before. I know I've heard it before. I remember us singing it before. But for some reason, I, I, the Spirit just filled me. I, I could just sense God's presence in this place whenever we were singing it uh, in this service and whenever we were, uh, were pro- just proclaiming that truth. Something about the words, the truth, um, I, I, just, I just really, uh, um, I really just, appreciate, uh, just appreciate that. Um, I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at a chapter of Scripture that's really important to me personally as uh, we continue in this sermon series entitled uh, Fasting and Feasting. And uh, two weeks ago, I spoke about fasting from food. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Jesse spoke about, um, uh, spoke about feasting on the Word. I uh, appreciate Jesse. Isn't he awesome? I appreciate Jesse. Isn't he awesome? Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate him and uh, appreciate him preaching that text. It was so hard for me to let him preach that text. I had had that one in the hopper for a while, and to let him uh, to let him preach that story was hard. But he did a lot better job uh, than I could have done with it. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about a changing appetite from John chapter six. This chapter is really important to me personally, uh, and I'm going to explain that more in a moment. But this chapter. The whole chapter, including the miracle of feeding 5,000 people, as well as Jesus proclaiming to be the bread of life. This whole chapter is about how we are to change our appetites away from the things of this world and find satisfaction in a relationship with Jesus alone. You see, our appetites can change. I don't know what you're hungry for in this world, but I do know that whatever appetite you have for the things of this world, Jesus can change that. Because we know that appetites can change even whenever it comes to physical food. The things that we eat, we know that our appetites uh, can change. Because, you know, appetite's different than hunger. Uh, Appetite is, is, an appetite is, is, uh, is, is connected to a natural hunger, but hunger has more to do with the fact that there's a hormone in my stomach that tells my brain, hey, it's time to eat. Appetite is what happens whenever I see a slab of bacon. Like it doesn't matter how full I am, there's something about, there's something about the smell of bacon that arouses my appetite. Hunger is what is satisfied whenever I eat dinner, okay? Appetite is whenever my stomach is full and I, 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 don't, I can't even swallow my spit. I'm so full, but I see that chocolate cake and my stomach says, no, you can't do it. And I tell my stomach, I can and I will. You see, that's, that's appetite. And we have appetites for things, not just food. We have appetites for all types of things in this world. And those appetites can change. Uh, one time I, I used to have, a, I used to have a, an appetite for coffee that had a bunch of cream and sugar in it. All right? How many of you sissies still put, still put cream 
and sugar in your coffee. So I decided one day I want to change that appetite. I used to put so much cream in my coffee that I had to put it in the microwave to heat it back up after I started. But one day I said, no, I'm going to start drinking it the way God intended, and I'm 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 going to drink it black. And now... Mm, I'm thirsty thinking about it. Now my appetite for coffee and how I drink it has changed. I believe that Jesus wants to do that with all sorts of appetites that you might have in this life. Not just, with, not just in concern with food, but in concern with, with, uh, with, with all types of things. Because we can have fleshly appetites that are okay, but maybe they need to be held in check. And we can also have spiritual appetites. And in, our, and, and in our passage today, really the main question that I want to ask you is, do you have an appetite for God? I, I know you have a hunger for Him because you're a human being. And you need a relationship with God in order to be fulfilled. You just do. You may not know that you do. You may not realize that you do. But you have a natural hunger. You were made in God's image. You have a natural hunger, a need to have a relationship with Him. But the real question is, do you have an appetite for Him? Do you recognize that that hunger and that longing that you have inside of you can only be satisfied by Jesus as the bread of life. And so that's what we see today. We see today Jesus is going to talk about physical hunger and physical bread. He's also going to talk about spiritual appetites and him being the bread of life and how we have a true hunger in our souls for him. And it's just not going to be satisfied by food or any other fleshly appetite that this world has to offer. Jesus promises to satisfy us. Think about that. Jesus promises, he promises to satisfy us. Let's read about it. Stand with me, please. John chapter 6. I hope you have your copy of God's Word. Jesus had just done a miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and we pick up the story in John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus had fed the 5,000 through a miracle. And he said, that's why you're following me. It wasn't so much about the miracle as much as it was about the bread, the loaves. You ate your fill. And Jesus says in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you may believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, well, what sign will you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna, a form of food, manna in the wilderness As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I... 
and the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Can we, can we all just say, can we all just say that verse out loud together? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you so much, God, that you have made such a magnificent promise that you can satisfy the longing and the craving that we have inside of us, Lord. I can't help but think that there's some people here that showed up hungry, and not because they've been fasting. They showed up hungry in a spiritual way. I pray that they would recognize that hunger as a spiritual hunger. They would acknowledge that they need a spiritual appetite. I pray, Lord, that if anybody fits that category today, that you would touch them and fill them with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So this is a great passage. I mean, chapter 6, really, really all of chapter 6 is, is about bread. I mean, the beginning of chapter 6 is about bread and Jesus feeding 5,000 people and doing something through a miracle. And then the end of what we just read, obviously, Jesus took it to a spiritual place. And he was talking about himself being the bread uh, of life. And, and, and in the opening verses of, uh, of John chapter 6, basically, you uh, had, a, had a bunch of people that were hungry and couldn't be fed. And so uh, Jesus fed them all Cheddar Bay Biscuits from Red Lobster. I mean, he gave them what they needed uh, in order to have food. And this was, a, this was a worship feast time. Uh, these chapters right here, these verses right here in chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 4, uh, you'll, you'll notice that it talks about, uh, in th that last sentence right there, it says the Passover feast of the Jews was at hand. This was a feast time. Man, this was a time to eat. This was a time to worship and celebrating through participating in eating food together. Uh, and they would take a Passover lamb and they would sacrifice that lamb. And, and the, Passover was, the Passover was pretty important. Uh, the Passover meal, this particular uh, Passover feast, this memorialized an event recorded in Exodus. If you have any kind of any Bible knowledge at all, you or, or, or even a limited Bible knowledge, you've probably heard the story of Exodus, how God delivered his people out of Egypt and he sent plagues upon them. And the last plague, you remember what it was? The death of the firstborn. And uh, the Lord told them, said, put some blood, blood on, the four, on, on your uh, uh, doorposts, and uh, I'm going to pass over you, or I'll pass by you, and, and, and this plague won't come upon you. And this, this was what this feast memorialized. They ate and they celebrated. And so uh, Jesus, in chapter six, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, he looked at Philip, and he said, where are we going to get bread for all these people? I mean, how, how are we going to feed everyone? And Philip was like, listen, man, we could, we could take a third of a year's salary and it still wouldn't pay for all of these people even to have a nibble of bread. And so what Jesus does is he does a miracle, John chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, uh, it records this, this miracle that Jesus did. He basically get, gets this boy's lunch, 
I guess he had gone through the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A and he had got him a spicy chicken sandwich with pepper jack, no pickles, combo, waffle fries and a sweet tea. And so he had, he had him a lunch and that's, that's all he had. I guess he was more prepared than everyone else. And so what Jesus does, Jesus takes this lunch that's enough to feed one boy and he turns it into 2,000 large nugget trays enough to feed 5,000 men. Look, when I say Chick-fil-A nugget tray, that is, your, that is your cue to say amen. I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus performed an incredible miracle. Look, they all got a free lunch. Really? Sign, sign me up for the free stuff. Sign me up for that, man. That, listen, you give me a free lunch, that fulfills two appetites that I have. One, to keep my money. Two, to have my belly filled. Who wouldn't want to follow that guy? A guy that's passing out free stuff and doing all of these things to fulfill their earthly appetites. And so what did they want to do? Man, they wanted to make him king. Look at that. Uh, uh, John chapter 6 Verse 15, they were going to come and they were going to make him king by force because anyone who provides free Chick-fil-A deserves political influence. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, they were going to force him to rule over him. Think about this. Because he had done a miracle for them and because he had given them food and had the potential to wield political power and to do all types of things that would help them. Jesus wasn't interested in that. The Bible tells us that Jesus basically withdrew. He went to a mountain by himself, spent time with his father, he had no appetite for worldly power. By the way, I hope you've done that this week. As we've been in a, as we've been in a, 21, a, a day of 21, um, 21 days of fasting and prayer, even if you're not participating in the fasting part, I hope you are, but even, even if you're not, I, I, hope, I hope that you're at least spending time alone with Jesus especially over these 21 days, praying for our church, praying that we would be people that would pour ourselves out for the kingdom and for his glory. Jesus did that often. If he needed to do it, certainly we need to do it. But here's, here's the question. So they, so, what so they go looking for him. He, he feeds them, does awesome things for them. They want to make him king. He says no, and he goes and spends time with his father. And then they go looking for him. Look what it says in John chapter 6, verse 22. It says that basically the crowd that was left, they, know that Jesus, they knew that Jesus wasn't with the disciples, and they wondered where he was. Well, evidently, other people heard about the free stuff that Jesus was passing out. And so the Bible says that other boats from Tiberias, they also came to that place where Jesus had done this miracle. They couldn't find him, and so they were seeking to find Jesus. They were seeking him. That's a good thing, right? Seeking Jesus? Isn't that a good thing to try to want to find him and, and be with him? But why? Why were they looking for Jesus? Why were they going after him so hard? What appetite 
Did they have that they wanted him to fulfill for them? Jesus basically says that they had a misplaced hunger. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 26. Look at this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, not because you were walking in the direction that those signs were pointing you. You're seeking me not for spiritual reasons. You're seeking me not, not because you want to have a relationship with me. Jesus said, you're, you're seeking me not because of those reasons, but, but just because you ate your fill of the loaves. That was it. I fulfilled an appetite and a, and a physical hunger that you had, and now you are searching for me everywhere, getting in boats, going all over the lake from one side to the other just to find me again because you have an appetite for someone who will wield political power for you as a king and someone who will give you free stuff and will give you a free lunch. They were seeking Jesus for the wrong reasons. Their fleshly appetites had been fulfilled by food, and they wanted more. Simply stated, they, they just wanted Jesus to fill them. You ever been that way? You, you ever, and, and maybe you haven't realized, I know that I've been this way. Maybe, maybe there's been a time in your life whenever, if you were honest, you weren't really looking for Jesus for the right reasons, to fulfill a spiritual appetite of a relationship with him. You just, you just wanted him to fix your problems. There was, just something, there was just something in your life that was going on, and you wanted him to use his power and his knowledge to make it right for you. This verse... I just have to be honest with you. This verse has wrecked me. God gave, God gave me this verse, and I, I told you some of this before. Last fall, while I was fasting, I was here one night um, and just in this worship center, just praying to the Lord, and I was, I was thinking about this verse and meditating on this verse, and the Lord showed me my sin. He showed me how I've done this, how I've been this crowd of people. I've, I've been one of the people in that crowd just wanting Jesus to do stuff for me. Wanting Jesus to, I don't know, give me financial security or give me relational blessings or give me health or give me affirmation or whatever it might be. I, I could think of a whole list of things that I have gone to Jesus and said, Lord, I, 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 want you to, I want you to do this for me. R rather than just saying, you know what? I just, Lord, I just want to be with you. And, and as, as the Lord just showed me my sin, I started thinking, I can't, I can't be the only one. <laughs> I, I, I know that your people are constantly nagging you over things. And constantly wanting you to do that. Hey, Lord, do you know our weakness? Listen, we know, we know our weaknesses and our needs. But then as I, as I began to pray, I started, I started to think, Lord, what if we turn that around? What if 
rather than being people that searched intently for you in all these ways to fill us, what if we turned that around and we started to prepare ourselves as a people to pour ourselves out for your kingdom and for your glory? Well, what if we saw it as it really should be that we are, like I said the other day, we are, we are God's slave. We are here to worship him. Worship means sacrifice and giving and pouring ourselves out. So in a worship service, we pour ourselves out in verbally and in music. Whenever we sing to God, music's not for us. The music is to help us to pour ourselves out. We, we worship the Lord whenever we listen intently and whenever we take in his word so that we might fatten ourselves up spiritually so that we can pour ourselves out to the Lord. Not so that we can walk out that door and say, oh, that was so good. Thank you, God, for, for the food that you prepared for me. But so that we can walk out that door and say, God, I am entering into the mission field and I am ready to serve you. I'm ready to pour myself out, my life, everything I have. Pour it out for you and for your glory. That's what the disciples did. The 12 apostles, you, you realize how much persecution that they faced as a result of following Jesus, persecution and death. And, you know, most of us, we would say, yeah, I didn't really sign up for all that. I'm just here for the food. The problem with foods, the problem with earthly foods, whether it be physical food or whether it be other appetites for other foods that we have that we think will satisfy us, is that they spoil when you have a misplaced hunger, you're going to place your appetite on something that will spoil. So Jesus tells this crowd of people who are just coming to him for selfish reasons, not relational reasons, but they're just coming to Jesus because they want him to fulfill their cravings. He's, he says to them, he says, don't work for food that perishes. Don't work for food or don't, don't spend spiritual energy seeking Jesus over trying to get him to do things for you that perish. He says, rather, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Any, anybody, anybody, have any, uh, anybody have any spoiled food in their refrigerator? Look, it happens to us all the time. We have leftovers, and what do we do? Those leftovers, they kind of get pushed to the, to the back of the refrigerator, and you don't find them until like six weeks later, and you're like, oh, what's this? And you open it up, and you're like, oh, man, that's last month's chicken. Yeah, that needs to go. This, something similar to that uh, happened to us about, about a week and a half ago. So there's a church member who has taught me and probably several of you how to make country sausage. Ooh. Some of you are like, you asked us to fast, and then we show up and all you do is talk about food, bacon, chocolate, sausage, cruel and unusual punishment, I know. But uh, this particular church member taught, taught me and, and several of you how to make country sausage. Well, me and another church member decided to do it without that person, see if we could do it by ourselves. And so we did it in our, our garage, me and, me and, uh, me and little, little short Dan Wilbershide back there. And uh, 
tall Dan Wolverstein. And so we're making this country sausage uh, in, in my garage, and we use a little five-gallon bucket as a trash can, right? And, you know, when you're messing with sausage, you get it all over your hands, and so you wipe with a towel, and you throw it in the bucket, and uh, all the stuff that we were working with was a lot of trash that ended up in that bucket. Well, guess what? I forgot about it. So a few days ago, or several days ago, I walk into my, I walk in, into my garage, and I'm like, ugh. I'm like, what in the world? I had no clue what it was. I had no clue what it was. I'm like, this smells like a dead animal in here. Well, my kids, uh, my kids ended up finding it. Actually, I think the dogs <laughs> ended up finding it. And, of course, we threw it out. But it's spoiled. You know, every, you know, all food spoils. Doesn't matter what kind of food it is. Eventually, physical food is going to spoil it's the same thing for whatever it is in this world, whatever in this life you have an appetite for other than Jesus, eventually it's going to spoil. Eventually it won't satisfy you like it did before. And there's other food, there's other app that we have appetites for things sometimes other than physical food. And we can put them in four categories, power, pleasure, possession, position. I don't know who I got that from, but I didn't come up with that. And I tried to look up and figure out who I got it from, and I can't. Maybe you can. Power, pleasure, possession, position. Almost all of our cravings can be centered around one of those things. We want advancement, or we want pleasure, or we want to achieve something, or we want power. And, you know, the, the, the non-believing actor, uh, Jim Carrey, said this. I found this quote the other day. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. Y'all, if, if an unbelieving an actor can say that, maybe we should too. Jesus basically saying these things don't work. They don't work. Binging on alcohol is not going to work. Drugs is not going to work. An overemphasis on sex and relationships, it's, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter how much you achieve. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much people like you, how much power you have. It doesn't matter how healthy your body remains for how long. None of that, all, all of that ultimately spoils. And even though we know this, we, we still have this we still have this appetite for those things as if somehow they are going to fulfill us. Jesus said, don't work for food that perishes. And luckily, whenever he said that to this crowd, they totally got it, right? Look at these next verses in chapter 6, verse 30 through 31. They said to him, what sign do you do that we may believe? And then you know what they asked him for? They, Y'all, they asked him for manna. Y'all know that in the Old Testament, manna spoiled after one day. One day. It would appear one day they could gather and eat it in that day, but if they tried to hang on to it, it spoiled. After Jesus tells them, you're seeking me for the wrong reasons just because you got fed. Don't look for food that perishes. Look for the bread of life. They were like, uh, okay, how about manna? Really? Jesus said that he had something that's so much better than that. He called it the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 32. 
through verse 35. Jesus, excuse me, just really just verse 35. If we just look at verse 35, he said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said that he was the one that was going. He called himself the true bread, the bread of God, and the bread of life. Listen, many of you, many of you have been hungry this week as we, as we fasted together. I know not all of you are doing it, but some of you are doing it. Some of you might even be doing it today along with the rest of us, but some of you might have scheduled it at other times. You've been, you've been physically hungry this week because you want to nurture a spiritual appetite. Fasting has a way of revealing to us the things that we truly crave and helping to develop in us a craving for Christ alone. Jesus said that he personally was the food that they needed. And that we must crave him. Can, can you imagine what if, what if you were able to rid yourself of all worldly cravings and your craving and your desires and your yearning for Christ was magnified above every other desire that you had? What if you actually fulfilled in your life and in the way that you lived the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord with all your heart? and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength? What if you were actually able to fulfill that first commandment in Exodus 20, to have no other gods before him? How much would your life change if you truly craved Jesus above everything else? Next week, I hope you have plans to be here next week. Next week, I'm going to continue further in John chapter 6. And we're going to learn more about what it means to have Jesus as the bread of life. And we're going to read some of the most provocative statements Jesus has ever made. He's going to tell them, after he had, after he had fed them bread, physical bread, proclaimed himself to the, be the bread of life, then he's going to tell them to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He's going to say, you cannot be my disciple unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Can you imagine the impact that that had on this particular crowd who had eaten miraculous bread that he had given to them and then heard Jesus say he's the bread of life and then for them to say you, 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 we've got to eat your flesh and, and drink your blood. We're going to learn what that means next week. And we're going to see this radical call to discipleship. And then after we do, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to remember the broken body and the spilled blood of Christ. I hope that if you're willing, I hope that if you're willing, you'll fast next week. And you'll show up to church having fasted and prepared yourself to hear from God and to have prepared yourself to partake of the Lord's Supper, prepared yourself to hear about this food that Jesus offers, which is himself. And then for us to unite together in the Lord's Supper together, I believe that it can be such a sweet time. But for today, let me end with this question. 
What do you believe will fix your life and satisfy you completely? What is it in your mind that you believe will fix your life and satisfy you completely? More than likely, that's what you pray for. More than likely, that's what you ask Jesus for. Those things that you think will fix you and help you and put you back together again. You typically pray for those things. What if you could realize in this moment that even if Jesus used his power to give you all of those things, that with, listen, without Jesus personally, you would still be broken inside. Let me say that again. If Jesus gave you everything you asked for, you would still be broken inside and still be hungry unless you had a personal relationship with him. That's what this last verse says, verse 35. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He doesn't say, the things that I give you and provide for you will satisfy your hunger and your thirst. He says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Do you think he's still talking about food? We've gotten way beyond fried chicken and sweet tea. Jesus is speaking about a relationship with himself. And this is a promise. This is a promise. You find anyone who is genuinely called upon Jesus and been saved, and they will say to you, Jesus is my everything. He has done more for me than this world can. Now, does it mean that Christians, we might sometimes err? We might sometimes be drawn away into other appetites, but we're always drawn back. Oh, I pray that today that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to ask you to stand with me. Let's all stand. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want to ask you to close your eyes. Have you ever tasted the goodness of the Lord? Have you personally ever tasted of the goodness of the Lord? Have you been saved? Have you called on Jesus? If that's never happened in your life, would you just say, Jesus, save me. Just ask him to save you right now. Just say, Lord, I am, I am sick and I am tired of running after my appetites. That change and go back and forth. Lord, I'm sick of running after my appetites. I want, I want you to satisfy those hungers. I want you to satisfy my thirst. I want you, I want to love you above all. Just say, Jesus, save me. Now, for those of you who are Christians, Maybe you've gone wayward. Maybe rather than staying satisfied in Christ, you've been looking to other things. I don't know what those things might be, but you do. 
would you acknowledge to Jesus that those things will not satisfy you right now? Just say to him, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've looked to drugs and alcohol and sex and money and power and position and achievement, adventure, relationships, health, looks. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I've looked to all those things to fill me. And just reject them right now. And just say, God, I want to I come back. I want to come back and find satisfaction in you and in you alone. Listen, if you want to come to the altar and kneel and pray during this time, we just, as we do every Sunday, we invite you to do that. Just take that, that appetite that you shouldn't have, just take it and just lay it on the altar before God. You spend a few moments in prayer and then we'll sing.